Welcome to the Stolen Reality Podcast. This is where you belong. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stolen Reality Podcast. It is Friday, which means it's time for another bit of sode where I take a short little thought, theory, idea, story, something interesting just to end your week out with on a positive note. I try to keep these pretty short, usually between 5 and 15 minutes, and I'm often not very good at that, so we're going to get right moving today. If this is your first time here, my name is Luke, and I'm your host. Welcome to the show. If you are not new and you're a long-time listener, you're the shit. Thanks for being around. Remember, if you want to get a hold of me for whatever reason, go ahead and hop onto my website at stolenreality.com and go underneath the contacts page. You can get through to me from there, or you can always just email me directly at luke at stolenreality.com. Also, remember to go ahead and leave me that five-star review on whatever platform you're on, and if you're allowed to, leave a written review. It helps my show out immensely. All right, everybody, let's get into today's episode. So today I just wanted to talk real quickly about an idea. And this idea actually came to me from a video game, believe it or not. Now, I don't play a lot of video games. You know, I grew up playing uh, Mario Brothers and PS1 and all that. But my ADD mind, I get bored of things really fast. So I like to play video games where you can pick them up and play for 10 minutes and then move on to a different game or just be done altogether. I haven't actually played through any modern games in quite a while. I think I finished Tomb Raider, and I think I finished the original Evil Within, um, and then that's probably about it. There might be another... Oh, I did finish uh, Last of Us. But if you don't play video games, you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But just for reference, if you don't play modern video games, you're pretty much playing through like a 40-hour movie a lot of the times, depending on how long the game is. But they are made in these very beautiful ways nowadays with amazing graphics and very in-depth storylines that you're playing through. So these next-gen video games have kind of turned from run around and smash some buttons to essentially playing these giant sagas and epics, which is really amazing. But like I said, it's hard for me to stick through something that long without uh, losing interest in it halfway through. But recently, I saw an advertisement for an upcoming game, and it looked like something that was right up my alley. This game is actually a sequel to a game that was already out. So I looked at the original game that had already been released a couple years ago, and I read the backstory of it, and then it just sucked me in. So I started playing this game, and it's kind of blown my mind. It was a very amazing idea. So that's what I want to talk about today. So this game that I'm talking about is called Hellblade. Now the name Hellblade is automatically like conjuring up images of fighting demons and all this stuff. And that's kind of along the lines, but it's much, much deeper than that. So I'm going to give you a little backstory and then tell you why I'm spending my time today telling you about a video game. So in Hellblade, you play a character named Senua. And she's this young girl, she's probably 20 years old, maybe, maximum, somewhere around there. She looks pretty young. But she is a pick. And if you don't know who the picks are, they were a group of people who lived around Britain and Scotland back in like the early Viking days, so a long time ago. But they were a hardcore warrior people, very tattooed and painted. In fact, a lot of times they would paint themselves blue. And according to worldhistory.com, They define them as a confederation of tribal units whose political motivations derive from a need to ally against common enemies. So 
essentially they were a group of warring tribes of people. So, you know, we all have the idea of what Vikings were. For all intents and purposes, they were essentially just like that. They just came from a different area. Very hardcore, very strong people. Their history in itself is pretty amazing. Maybe I'll dive into that at some point, but that's not actually what we're talking about today. So in this game, you play Senua, who's this young pick woman. And you start out on this boat that has been crudely carved out of a log. It's pretty much a hollowed out log. And you're paddling your way down this river. On the banks of the shores on both sides of this river that you're paddling down are these dead people stuck up on pikes. And at the very beginning, as you're paddling and as you see the back of Senua's head, because this is done in the third person, you're hearing a bunch of whispering voices. And the first voice to speak actually breaks the fourth wall and talks to you as the player. And it says, oh, you're here with us. I'll talk quietly so I don't wake the others. As this voice is giving you a little bit of juxtaposition, although there's not a whole lot uh, being told at the beginning, because kind of the whole point of the game is to piece everything together as you go, you start to hear other voices that come into play. So as you're paddling down this river and there's all these dead bodies on the sides, some of them will whisper very negative things and some of them will be very positive and they'll say things like that's going to be you or why are you going this way or other ones will argue against them and say things like she needs to do this she's doing the right thing so you can kind of see where this is going this young pick warrior girl has schizophrenia now as you're playing this game you're building this storyline through her memories and through her delusions now, a uh, bit of a spoiler alert here. I'm going to tell you how this game goes. <laughs> so if you want to play the game, you might not want to listen to this episode till afterwards and hear my thoughts on it. But there's not like big backstory cutscenes and stuff like you'd see in a lot of movies and a lot of games. You're learning everything you're learning by walking up to runes and unlocking the memories of one of your friends and also by listening to the voices and what they tell you about um, what she's doing as you're playing along through this. So when you're first starting out, it's actually very confusing. And they did that on purpose. But what you come to find out is this. So as a young girl in this pick tribe, Senua was born into a family of a mother who was a seer. She was a holy woman and she had the gift to talk to the dead and talk to spirits. And she was seen as somebody who had a gift, and everybody loved her for it. Except for Senua's father, who was a warrior. He thought that she had a curse. And so he took it upon himself to rid her of this curse and burn her in front of Senua. This caused Senua to obviously have some pretty big mental problems. So we know now that, looking at it with modern eyes... Senua's mother actually had schizophrenia, and schizophrenia can very well be passed down um, inherently. And so she inherited this schizophrenia from her mother. So growing up, she had a pretty rough time, you know, dealing with schizophrenia. And she only had one person that she ever met who really accepted her for who she was. And it was this young boy, of course, that she fell in love with. Well, at some point, um, while she's living with this, this young boy, her schizophrenia is getting worse, and she decides to actually exile herself for a year from her tribe. So she goes out and spends some time in the woods, and she ends up meeting this other man while she's out there, who becomes her very close friend and confidant. This man had spent a year being a slave to the Vikings. He had been captured, and he had eventually escaped. 
But after spending so long with them, he had learned all their customs and their ways and about the Viking gods and their lore and everything like that. So Senya's out, you know, exiled herself into the woods until she feels like she's ready to come back. So she comes back to her love and everybody's dead. The Vikings had come and raided her village and killed the love of her life and slaughtered everybody. So, of course, for our poor little Senua and her schizophrenic brain, <laughs> this did not make her much better. So after having spent time with her friend in the woods who told her all about Viking lore, she got it in her head that since her love of her life, since her boyfriend, essentially her husband, got killed by these Vikings, that he was doomed to spend his eternity in the Viking hell. And that's, that's where his soul would go since he was sacrificed by them, essentially. So Senua remembers her friend in the woods telling her that the only person that has the power to resurrect people from the dead was the goddess Hel down in Helheim. So she makes it her goal to go and save her boyfriend's soul from Hel. So when the game first starts out and you're paddling along this very crude boat, you actually have his skull in a bag hanging off the back of your hip and you can see it breathing as part of her delusions and it's with you throughout this whole game. So the whole point of the game is that she's traveling up to the Northland so that she can find Helheim and either go defeat the goddess Hel or convince her to resurrect or give her back the soul of her, her boyfriend. So that in itself is a pretty epic storyline, but it gets better from there. So as you're going through, of course you're piecing things together and you're finding things that spark memories and you're learning the story as you go through. But another thing that happens is called the darkness. So a lot of these voices, you know, some of them are positive and some of them are negative, but they're all kind of part of Senua's cracked psyche. But then every once in a while, things will get bad. And so you'll be walking along and it's a sunny day or whatever, you know, and the world will get very dark and it will seem kind of disorienting and it will start to kind of close in on Senua and then out of nowhere pops these essentially monsters, these Nordic looking um, woodland creature monster things and you have to pull out your sword and fight them. That's the, that's the combat side of the game. The game's mostly puzzle based, um, trying to figure things out as you go, but there is th this combat element to it. It's very apparent right off the bat that this this darkness is not an external force, but it's coming from inside of Senua. And every time you lose to this darkness, it grows in her. So it portrays this by having this kind of black stain on her arm. And if you get defeated by these monsters, it will grow up her arm. And eventually, if it reaches your head, you're in big trouble. And, you know, you've, you've been taken over by the darkness. So you learned that Senua went off and exiled herself to essentially get rid of this darkness, and she did, which is why she came back. But of course, when she came and found her dead lover, um, that darkness has been crouching back in on her. So you have to fight it as you go along, and it can pop up just kind of randomly. And then on top of that, and this is another really interesting thing they did with the game, is all the Nordic gods and beasts that she has to fight throughout, the, throughout her saga. So you'll be walking along, and you'll have to go to the place of Surt or you know, you'll have to deal with all these different gods as you kind of walk into their lands. But they did a really good job of it being very ambiguous of whether or not this is something coming out of her head or something that is like an actual deity that you're fighting against. So for example, sometimes when you're going up against the god of illusions, essentially, 
you're walking through and you'll see these figures that they look like these these nordic monsters and as you walk closer you see that it's just something that's been made out of sticks as like an effigy to these gods and then once the battle starts these things come to life so there's this kind of question this whole time in this game of how much of this is real and how much of this is just senua's delusions as you go farther in the game, of course, you learn more backstory and her darkness gets stronger and harder to beat and, and uh, portrays itself in different ways to you. But what she kind of figures out as she goes along is that this darkness and the main monster of this darkness is actually her father. It's her abusive father who abused her and then killed her mother in front of her. And then at the end of the game, spoiler alert again, you do make it to Helheim and you confront Hell and you have to fight her, and just as you're about to beat her, she ends up stabbing you and you fall to the ground. She grabs your boyfriend's head and she holds it over the pit to Helheim. And as she's about to drop it, the camera pans out, spins back around, and it shows that it's actually you holding the head over this cavern. And then you drop it, symbolizing that you've understood that it's been you that you're fighting against all along, and that you finally choose to let him go. So that's kind of the basic storyline. Of course, there's a little more to it than that, but that's the general overall idea of it. But I think that it is probably one of the most interesting ideas that I've ever heard. And the way they made the game is just phenomenal. For one thing, they actually did motion capture on real actors, so it looks really good. But more importantly... They have a disclaimer at the beginning of this game that they worked with patients with actual schizophrenia and they worked with psychiatrists and psychologists who work with patients with schizophrenia to make this as accurate as a representation of schizophrenia as they possibly could. Now, being somebody who's dealt with bouts of severe, severe anxiety throughout my life and probably borderline um, you know, I don't want to say publicly that I've dealt with borderline schizophrenia. I never went and got diagnosed or anything, but have definitely gone through some um, delusional stages at, at points in my life for sure. I can tell you that they did a just a phenomenal job of a representation of what that feels like and how that can play out in your mind and what it's like to be kind of walking between two worlds. But it really got me thinking about that whole situation. The fact that people have probably always dealt with things like this. And nowadays we see it as a clinical diagnosis. But how would they have seen it back in the 1300s or before that? Or at any time throughout history before we gave it a clinical diagnosis? And I think that these guys did a really good job of kind of exploring that idea. So again, kind of getting back to the storyline... Her mother had schizophrenia, but was seen as a seer because she's saying that she's hearing voices and people accept that in her and think that she's gifted from the gods, except for her husband, of course, who ends up murdering her. <laughs> but on the other hand, Sinua sees it as a curse and is hearing these same voices, but doesn't think she's talking to the spirits. She essentially thinks that she's speaking with demons, but they're experiencing the same thing. They just have different mindsets about it. Now, it looks like in the second game, Senua has, you know, it hasn't come out yet. I think it comes out next year. 
but it looks like she has accepted these gifts, quote-unquote gifts, and now she's actually leading a tribe of picked warriors um, because she's able to communicate with the spirits. So it's going to be a cool uh, extension of this, this idea. But it's a really cool kind of thought to play around with. We have all these stories of these medicine people and these seers and shamans and all these different people from every culture has these people who could supposedly commune with the spirits and see the future and hear the voices of the dead and all these different things. And nowadays, what would we call them? We would say that they have schizophrenia. So I did a little digging to see if I could find if there's any um, evidence towards this. Unfortunately, it's really hard to do because nowadays everything's so goddamn censored that if you bring up anything that has anything to do with a mental illness, all you get is that it, you have to be very careful about talking about mental illness, um, you know, all that bullshit, which isn't helping anything. It's just making it harder for us to understand these things. But everything, you know, when I tried to look up, is there a chance that the old shamans and stuff had mental illness? or had schizophrenia, or were portraying signs of delusion, it would always say that we have to be respectful of people's cultures, and that we can't necessarily say that because there was no clinical diagnosis back then. So I said, okay, that's not really the route to take. Let's just look at the history of schizophrenia. So I'm running short on time because I've already passed my 15-minute mark by a couple minutes. So I'm just going to briefly go over this, and I think probably someday I'll do a full episode about schizophrenia because it's something that, that interests me a lot. I've worked with mentally disabled adults who have schizophrenia. You know, I spent two years working in group homes with people like that, and it is incredibly interesting how people's minds um, can create their reality. So I'll probably jump into that at some point. So for now... I'm just going to tell you that, for one, I couldn't find any historical evidence that that's what was going on because it wasn't diagnosed back then. And technically, it wasn't even seen as a thing until 1908 when it was coined as a term. Before that, they had similar conditions like dementia precox that was coined in 1809, but they didn't encompass exactly the same symptoms of schizophrenia, but essentially pretty close. So, since it didn't have a diagnosis before that time, we can't technically say anything before that was schizophrenia. So I said, okay, what are the actual symptoms of schizophrenia? Well, here's the symptoms according to the Mayo Clinic. Delusions, which are the false beliefs that are not based in reality. For example, you think that you're being harmed or harassed. Sounds like you could have a curse put on you, perhaps, right? Also, certain gestures or comments are directed at you, like you're hearing voices. Another delusion might be that you think that a major catastrophe is about to occur, maybe like some sort of prophet. The next symptom would be hallucinations, usually auditory, like, you know, hearing a whole bunch of voices, but they can also manifest themselves as physical visual hallucinations. And while these aren't objectively real to the people around the person experiencing them, they are 100% real to that person, and they can actually have physiological and psychological effects, of course. Another symptom is disorganized speech and thinking. Sounds like speaking in tongues, maybe? Another symptom would be extremely disorganized or abnormal motor behavior. This can be anything from, like, being hard to do a task, but it can also be things like bizarre posture, which conjures up the image in my mind of the witch with the hunched back that doesn't stand correctly and lives out in the woods. 
And then the last symptom they have on here is just called negative symptoms. And this can refer to a whole lot of things, but specifically things like neglect of personal hygiene. Again, that old witch we see depicted, you know, you ever seen the 13th warrior, the woman who tells them to go into the earth? Like this is just the perfect example of her, everything I've just described. Um, you know, living out in the woods kind of with a hunchback and not bathing, but has this ability to communicate with the spirit, supposedly. So here's kind of my point with all this. I'm trying to wrap this up because I'm running long. First of all, the game was just amazing. So if you like video games, go play it. And even if you just like good storylines, maybe give it a try. But I really like this idea that maybe these seers and the shamans of the old days is what we would now call schizophrenia. Now, does that mean it wasn't real? Well, there's the big question. I think that's when it comes down to subjective reality. I believe 100% in demons and angels and in spirits and in ghosts and a whole bunch of things that I've experienced. Now, maybe maybe it's because I have some form of this, um, but I 100% believe in these things. So to me, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Do people get diagnosed with schizophrenia, or at least, you know, back in the day, um, because they're communing with the spirits or seeing something outside of what we normally perceive in reality, but it's actually there, but we don't understand it, so we give them this diagnosis? Or is it all out of their head? And like I say in a lot of my episodes, does it really matter? Because it's influencing these people to the point where it affects their lives and can actually have physical and psychological um, repercussions with them. But I think why this idea is so interesting to me is because whether these things are just things that come from crazy people's minds or they're things that come from spirits and ghosts or whatever, there's been this cultural shift where nowadays, if you say that you're hearing voices and that you're seeing demons and that you can talk to the dead and tell the future, they put you on medication and pills. Back in the day, a long time ago, they would either revere you as a prophetess or they would think that you're cursed by the demons and cast you out of their tribe. So I think it's really interesting how our reality builds our culture, but our culture also builds our reality. All right, so I went way over again, so I'm going to cut it here, but I'm going to have to now do a big deep dive into schizophrenia and the history of it and what it really means because there's a lot we could go into and there's a lot more I wanted to talk about, especially my experiences working with people who have these disorders because I have some really crazy stories about them speaking with angels and demons and some coincidences where you're like, wow, were they actually talking to somebody right now or what is happening? Um, so I'd, I would love to get into that at some point, but obviously not today. All right, everybody. So thank you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed that uh, idea as much as I do. I think it's super, super interesting. It is the 4th of July weekend for the next four days for a lot of people. we got a long, long weekend ahead of us. Because of that, I know I didn't do a news episode last week. It's summertime. I'm, I'm staying pretty busy. I apologize for that. But I probably will not have uh, another episode until Wednesday when I do the second part of that Titanic episode. Because I rented a cabin and I'm getting the heck out of town for a little bit. So everybody go out there, have yourself a happy, safe, and fun 4th of July. Celebrate your freedom while you still have it. Try not to blow your fingers off. And I will be back next week. 
hope you guys are having a fantastic start to your weekend.